I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Ezekiel chapter 17. Ezekiel chapter 17. We've got a lot of things happening this week that's happened. We have a lot of things happening that's coming up. If you're a man, on Friday night and Saturday is our men's retreat. And I'm right here on campus at the church. You can come Friday night and eat and enjoy the evening and go home. Or if you want, people are bringing campers and tents and hammocks and setting up out here in the woods and parking lot and staying over. And then Saturday, we do it all again. And so we'd love to. If you have not done it, we'd love for you to, to be able to sign up and come and be a part of the men's event this, this weekend. Um, we're horrible at signing up, by the way. We, 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 everybody's going to show up on Friday because you can pay at the door. And, um, and I get that. But they got to buy stuff for that, right? And, um, and I joke and tease you all the time that, you know, I'm frugal. I don't want to waste no money. Amen? So go sign up so our guys will know. And they can buy all the fiddles. So it's going to be incredible. And, um, but I want you to open, like I said, to Ezekiel 37. If you're a guest with us or if you've missed a few weeks, we're doing a series. This is the fourth week. Next week we'll finish it out on Father's Day. But it, it's called Tales of Ridiculous Faith. And the idea behind it is we're going into summer. This does not look like a summer first service. Come on, somebody. I'm serious. Look at this. Woo! But we're going into the summer, and often in the summertime, we find ourselves both physically and spiritually relaxing, you know? And I, I get that. How many you know God wants you to have rest? And I want you to have your vacations, and I want you to enjoy your time with the Lord. And as I said early on, I'm not saying this so that you'll just be in church this summer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this so that you'll be the church this summer. Did you catch that? That I want you, as you're going on vacation, I want you, as you're at a place of physical rest, to have your eyes open, your spirit open, saying, God, what will you do in and through my life this summer? And I just believe that when you're on that boat, somebody's going to need a word from the Lord, and guess what? It's going to be in your mouth, you know? When, you, when you're there at the lake or wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, you're on a roller coaster, and they're going, oh, God! And you're like, I know he's wonderful. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. You know what they call that, right? That's called a Jesus juke, you know? It's like somebody says something, you go, yes, but Jesus. Juke, got Jesus in there. No. But <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, be led by the Spirit and respond to the Spirit as he leads you. And you watch. God's going to use you this summer. And I just believe we're going to have tales of ridiculous faith all throughout this summer. I really do. And so as we get into Ezekiel, here, here's the thing. Um, last week, we started talking about faith. Well, we've been talking about faith this whole time, but really wanting to give you some physics to faith. And my worry about that is so often we come from the approach, if we're not careful, Pentecostal churches are known for preaching, blab it and grab it, call it and haul it, right? Right? You know, name it and claim it. Any other ones? Did I forget any? And if we're not careful, we can really get ourselves out where we don't need to be. And, and we call it faith, but really it's, everybody listen, it's called presumption. I don't want you presuming anything. I want you knowing. Faith works when we know. And so with that, last week I was talking through the idea of understanding that we speak the word. And we're going to talk about faith confession today. We're going to talk about speaking the word. But last week I wanted you to get a good picture of it because it's not just speaking the word, whatever I want, or just speaking the word. And there's magic in this confession of faith. God isn't waiting for you to get the incantation right. It's not voodoo we're talking about here, Right? But sometimes faith can be taught that way. And if you just don't get it said just right, you know what happened. I've heard this. That baby died because his mom and daddy didn't have enough faith. 
Dude, you say that to me, I will smack you in the tooth. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. <laughs> but they just didn't have their faith right. They didn't have their confession right. They, they, you know, God's not capricious. And do you know God's God of wisdom? And he knows the intent of our heart, right? And so, yes, it's powerful to speak the word, but it's not a magic incantation. Like I said last week, the word of God in our mouth draws us back to the heart of God. So it's all about relationship. And as I'm feeling discouraged, and I feel as if the enemy, remember last week I told you, it's like the, the devil's up here just trying to discourage and defeat you and leave, get away from people, isolate. Or you know what? Nobody else knows what you're. And as the enemy's making those lies, it's easy to turn to those lies and be drawn in by those lies. But when I put the word of God in my mouth, it's a very physical action that causes me to turn to God. Remember what the word says, submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. So it's about relationship. It's not about magic. It's I'm turning my heart to God and I'm reminding myself what the Lord says. I'm reminding myself the promises over my life. And what happens if I don't see the fruit of that faith or the fruit of that promise? I don't know, but I'm closer to Jesus. I'm right there with him through it. And I don't get why I told you before why I went deaf and it didn't come. I can remember praying for deaf people. Prayed for a guy who came forward one time and he was Deaf in this ear, I did not know that, fully deaf. His other ear had a hearing aid. And he goes, I want prayer because I'm deaf. Well, what do you think I did? I prayed for the hearing aid side because that's the one that had a hearing aid on it. So I said, pull your hearing aid out. So he did. We laid hands on it. Jesus, touch it. He starts to, man, like, oh, my, crying. This ear, he didn't even have an aid on because, like me, it doesn't work. So why even put an aid on it? He got his hearing in the totally deaf ear. It was the coolest thing ever. So then I'm like, well, how's this here sounding with the aid? It's okay. Well, no, God, you just did that one totally. Let's finish this one up, you know. But I mean, but, but that happened. I saw it. I was there. I got to do the praying. It was the coolest thing to see Jesus do it. God, come on. Why not heal this? Because there was a greater need in my heart to be healed than me to have a physical healing in that moment. God was allowing me to be learned to draw to his face his heart, intimacy, closeness, not his hand. Give me my quick fix. And so I don't understand why miracles don't come, and sometimes they do come. And all I know is that we should still declare the word. Because as we speak the word, it turns us toward the heart of God, and it keeps us from being pulled away by the deceiver. Because that's where the real, that's the one that can kill not just the flesh, but the spirit, the soul. I think that's why it's easy to say, you know, from Scripture, though my flesh be destroyed. You know? Yeah, I still have that relationship with God. It's all right. So in Ezekiel, we see a backstory here of the nation of Israel who had been placed into exile by the Babylonians. They have no king any longer. They have no nation any longer. They have no temple any longer. They have been broke. They have been uh, subjugated to walk in lack, to walk in less. They're, who they are is like broken, dry, dead bones laying there. Once an army of God, once a nation of people that the whole region would look at and honor God because of who they were. And now they're broken as a people, like dry bones in a valley, broken, can't stand up, no strength on their own. No power. We'll say it this way, no anointing. 
And God gives a word to Ezekiel, a prophetic vision, something he saw in his mind's eye, kind of a dream, if you will. It gave him a picture of what wasn't and what could be. He was calling by faith a spiritual thing upon Ezekiel to speak forth and call those things that are not as though they are. And so I want you to, if you will, stand to your feet. We're going to read the first two verses together in Ezekiel 37. We just stand to honor God's word because we feel God's word is honorable. Number one, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spear of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around them, among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Say, behold, they were very dry. Say, very dry. Amen. Father God, I ask right now over the next few minutes that you would just allow us to see through this story, Lord God, this narrative, God, some physics to faith, some things that we can put into motion as we allow our hearts to be turned toward you, placing us in a place where we can walk into whatever you desire for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And so we see this dry place. How many know dry places need the refreshing touch of the Lord? Amen. There's some people in here this morning that you're dry in your spirit. For whatever reason, you've been separated from the things of, of God or where you might have been once, and you feel dry in your presence, feel dry in your spirit from the presence of God. And I want you to know God is coming today to do a mighty work in you. The, 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 these bones, they're, 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 they're a symbol of death. And I want you to know dead things, they need touched by a living God. Amen? And so you may be here today where you feel like that relationship was dead. Between that brother and that sister, that relationship was dead. And in a moment, God touched that man's heart and opened his heart back up to his sister to allow her to see those nep that nephew and that niece. Man, that's beautiful, you know? So there may be something in your life that is dead. Maybe there's something in your life like those bones that are disjointed, the dry bones laying all around the valley floor. And so in your life, maybe there's something that is broken, that needs to be restored by the power of the presence of God. And I believe today God can do that. But I think in this story we can see that you come into partnership with him when it comes to a miracle. All right? You, you come, even God giving this dream to Ezekiel, and for Ezekiel to have to do something, it shows that God works with humanity to bring forth his miracle. Do you realize this? That you will look in Scripture, you'll never see anything ever that happens in Scripture, that happens without, and I know this is going to sound crazy, without the touch of man. Blasphemy. String pastor up. Burn him on a pyre. No, no. It's all, the reason why is because this earth is a flesh earth, okay? When, when God created this, he told Adam and Eve to have dominion. He told Adam and Eve to have authority. He told Adam and Eve to subdue. He told Adam and Eve to multiply and be fruitful. Who did he tell? Adam and Eve. What did Adam and Eve do? They cast it all aside. They traded it in. But the new Adam, somebody shout new Adam. In the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus is the new Adam. And now Jesus comes, and he restores what God desired. And now he gives you authority to multiply, gives you authority to subdue, gives you authority to have dominion, gives you authority. Isn't that awesome? Well, Ross, that's too much responsibility. You're right. That's why you need the Spirit of God. That's why we rest on Him. That's why we speak His Word, because it draws us close to His heart, so that He can do what He wants to do and desires to do. And here's the thing about it. Ross, I don't know if you're telling the truth on that, that it's always through flesh. Did Jesus die for you as a spirit? He died for you as a man. 
Is that crazy? God became flesh and dwelt among us. God sacrificed through the flesh. Why? Because flesh has access and authority in this earth. God ordained that. It was always the government of God that through flesh, his will would be accomplished in the earth. Oh, now does it make sense why God wants us to submit our flesh to him? And to, to take those carnal things and, and, and to crush those by the will of God? Because he only has one body in the earth. And it's you. And so you'll always see through Scripture a partnership. And so even here, go do this, Ezekiel. Here, I'm giving you a dream, but something has to begin to happen. And I want you to act if it's ever going to happen. And Ross, that puts a big responsibility on us. You're absolutely right. It does. But he will strengthen us. And he will keep us strong. That's why prayer, I've taught you guys this years ago. When it says um, 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 he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond whatever we ask or think. Why do we have to ask or think? Can't he just do exceedingly and abundantly all on his own? He's God. Go, God, do exceedingly and abundantly. Why do you need me? But the Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond whatever you ask and whatever you think. Now, we can't ask amiss. We've got to know his will. We've got to know his heart. That's why we speak his word, so we line up with his heart. But he waits for that. He's a gentleman in this earth. It's the weirdest thing. Isn't it the weirdest thing? That God waits for people, his creation, to partner with him? But he does. So this morning, God wanted to heal Sharon's neck. Would God have healed Sharon's neck if we wouldn't have taken an opportunity to pray for her today? He may have, because he would have talked to Donna. Pray for your friend, you know? Or he would have talked to, to Kim. Pray for that lady, you know? But there would have been something where somebody would have touched that woman or spoke a word or something. It's just... It's just how it is, you know, or during worship, worship's taking place and sovereignly God touches, but still worship's creating an environment where he comes and he rests his spirit in the house because there's expectation. There. Do you see what I'm trying to say? All right, I got to get to my notes. No, 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 that's in the notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Ezekiel 37, 3 says this, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, you know. Now watch this. So he shows him the vision of need. He shows him the lack. And then he asks him that question. Son of man, can these bones live? Why? Why is God asking a question of Ezekiel? Number one, here's the thing when it comes to the physics of faith. God seeks to put a demand upon your faith. He seeks to put a de- God knows what God can do. He wants to know if you believe he can do it. God knows what he is capable of. So he looks to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? God knows that, but he's putting it a man on Ezekiel. Ezekiel, what can you see? Ezekiel, is there an anticipation, an expectation that I can move upon these dry bones? And he says, oh, Lord, you know it. Yeah, definitely. How many times through Scripture, you know, what would you have done, you know? And they would answer, you know, that you would heal me. Well, your faith has made you whole. I mean, he's asking a question. He's putting a demand on faith. And so basically for us, let's demystify it. If we demystify it, here's what the question sounds like. Where does your confidence lie? Where does your confidence lie? That's what faith really is, confidence and trust. We started off this whole series the first week because I don't want you to think it's all about magic. And it was, you can't have a tale of ridiculous faith unless you have ridiculous trust. It goes back to that. And so when I see this, I think he's just putting a demand on that trust. He's putting a demand on that faith. Do you trust me? Oh, God, you know it. You know it, Lord. And so that idea of trust. So if you say you trust him, what do you do in the face of your situation? If I trust him 
and I'm in a relationship situation where that person's done me wrong, do I turn and go tell Sally, not Sally here, because Sally would never gossip. She'd put you in her place, your place, right? But you go, let's think of somebody that, somebody, I'm trying to think of a name. Shantiqua. Okay, so. So Shan, hey Shan, you know what she said to me? And next thing you know, you're starting to run this lady down because it's making you feel better rather than God heal the situation, restore the situation. Heal that woman's heart. That woman's mean. She is tore up from the floor up. She is an ugly mess. Don't tell her that or your friend that. Tell God that. But Jesus, heal her. Do a work in her. Show me what I can do and rather than running off, all right? So if we say we trust him, what do you do in the face of your situation? That situation's that. Let's say it's, it's, it's for me, I was bitter and mad at God because I wasn't getting my healing. And so I didn't talk to God for three months. Truth. Wham. How immature of a preacher was I? Big time. And I'm just being honest. I was so mad. You know, this about nine years ago, ten years ago. I just, I'm not going to talk to Jesus. I'm not talking to you. And I remember having the conversation. I don't trust you. I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to back down. We'll get over this. But right now, I don't trust you. And so for three months, I didn't pray. You know how bad those sermons were? Jeff Nobles, how bad were those sermons? Shut up. <laughs> Can I, I want to celebrate with Jeff something. This is cool. Jeff has been a contractor for years. When the economy tanked years ago, man, it tanked. It hurt our whole church. It was just, it tanked hard, you know? And it's just been neat watching God restore Jeff in his field of industry. And this week he had to go to Jacksonville to check on a property to see if it's being built correctly and everything. And, and, um, and that man flew in a plane there, a private little tiny jet, all the way to Jacksonville, did his work, and was back at his office in his seat in Cartersville at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He was styling and profiling. You were like a televangelist. No, I'm teasing that's crazy. That's funny. <laughs> but like he said, pretty bad, pretty bad. And why? Because when I went through the situation, I didn't turn toward God. I turned away from God, you know. And so really when it comes down to it, God is seeking to put a demand upon your faith. He's just asking you, can, can, can I trust you? And if I can trust you, what are you going to do? So number two, trusting God demands action. So one, God seeks to put a demand upon your faith. Number two, trusting God demands action. Watch this, verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, let me stop there. What is prophecy? It is the timely word from God, all right? It's a, it's a word that has a, a point of urgency and a sense of timeliness. Last week, I was saying we were going into a season of miracles. That was a prophetic edge. It was a prophetic word. It wasn't just pastor going, hey, I think this would be neat. It was just stirring. And so then you begin to speak that forth. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's the key. It's the word. Everybody say word of the Lord. Not the word of yourself. Not the word of your friend. Not the word of the televangelist even. You know, it's the word of the Lord. But that prophecy is something that you're speaking forth. And as you're speaking forth, you are literally, I know this is scary, you're giving voice to God in the earth. God's stirring it on your heart, and you're speaking it forth. Isn't that wild? That's why it's so important for our hearts to be lined up with what God is doing and what God is saying. And so it says on, it says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will say to the sinew upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So important to have that close relationship with the Lord where you're hearing his voice, you know. 
And so what kind of action does he ask for? We see here trust in God and that God demands action. Well, here we see the action that he's demanding in this situation is, is confession. It's speaking forth. I'm telling you to speak this. And then he's saying to the bones. And then he's saying to the sinew. And then he's saying and so on, to the breath. He's speaking. He's putting words to what God is laying in his heart. Number three, God desires us to line up our words with his heart. Amen? So that action that he demands is for us to speak the word. To speak the word. To allow ourselves to hear what God is saying and to respond by speaking that in our lives and over our lives and holding ourselves accountable to his word. Because what you speak, you'll live at times. You know, you start to talk. I know me, I start to talk completely about my failure, my negativity and stuff. I start to struggle, you know. Now, now listen, I don't want to sit here and tell you that positive confession is something to where you've got to be so careful. Guard everything. The end of my word. If you just miss it a little bit, you're going to, you're going to lose it all. I just don't see God being that capricious again, you know. But I do believe over time that negative speech creates a negative reality. I do believe that. That over time, when I begin to speak the word, I start to see his word manifest in my life. Amen? I start to see his presence bring peace to my life. And so God desires us to line up our words with his heart. In Ezekiel 37, 7, he said it this way. So I prophesied as I was commanded as I was commanded that, that's God's word and I'm speaking it as he gives me that word and so the belief of our heart and the confession of our mouths they always go hand to hand think how you got saved remember how you got saved Romans 10 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead you know then you will be saved right for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You can see in there a, 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 a merging of, of confession and belief. They go hand in hand. I can't say one thing and not believe, and I can't believe and not say that the power comes when I put them together, and my belief and my confession line up together, okay? Well, we've seen people confess things they didn't believe, act in ways that are contrary to really what they, 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 they want to believe, but they really don't, you know, and vice versa. It's when the two merge together that you see something powerful. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, I love this. This isn't in the notes. I don't want to freak you guys out. I just put this in here just a little bit ago, all right? It says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. Isn't that neat? We also believe, and so we also speak. Let me, let me say it again. I believed, and so I spoke. And as I say that, coming out of my mouth, I, I'm violating one of my principles of preaching. Because we preach in context here. Come on. And so I'm violating that by saying that. Well, what's the context there, Ross? That's a cute little, okay, that's a cute little tiny thing. I believe, and I speak. Okay, so I'm going to believe what God's telling me. I'm going to speak what God's telling me. Can I tell you the context of that? That's, let, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. Oh, you don't have a Bible because you only rely on the screens. That's right. That was fun. <laughs> uh, I believe that, and so I spoke that, just so you know. <laughs> that, was, that was good. <laughs> oh, man, I don't, where do I want to start with this? I like context. This isn't in here. Okay, we're okay. 
But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's the Holy Spirit within us. Okay, you're the jar of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You are clay. Say, I'm dirt. All right? But, but the power of God's within that dirt, thank God. We are afflicted in every way. Oh, man, I love this. We're troubled on every side, but not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Do you see that? In that passage of Scripture, there's things that you're going through, but God, even in spite of it, I'm holding on to your word. You know, I love that. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death. I mean, it's just part of entropy of this world. You know, if I don't take and pay attention to my, 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 my thought life, it goes toward death. If I don't think and pay attention to my physical life, it goes toward, it goes toward buffets. If I don't think, it'll go toward whatever your issue. You know what I mean? That's just part, it goes toward death. It's just part of life. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. There's another thing that's happening, this, this thing of life. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to that which has been written, I believe, and so I spoke, and we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may be increasing thanksgiving to to the glory of God. So, now watch this, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Mary hit it this morning when she talked about the eternal. Watch this. As we look not to the things that are seen, did you not say this this morning? But to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God is doing a thing that is eternal in us. And we live in a fallen world. And because of that, we're going to face issues. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. That's the person that's saying, I'm going to believe and I'm going to speak. I'm going to believe what God is saying in the midst of my situation as my life is dying. Literally, all of us are dying. None of us get out of here alive. You know? And as that's happening, I'm going to speak the word in the midst of it. Because I believe that God will carry me through these moments until this old body goes in the grave. My buddy Larry was a perfect example of that. Larry, the evangelist friend of mine, went to see Jesus yesterday morning. Amen? Man, that's hard. Taught faith, preached faith. Was in the pulpit the last time about six, months, six weeks ago. Stood and declared the word of the Lord over his life. And he's with Jesus. Aww. He's with Jesus. That's so, he's with Jesus. Oh my gosh. Is that the worst you have? Is that all you got? Is that what you can bring? That I'll die and go to heaven and be with Jesus? Well, bring it. I'm sorry. I had to talk to the devil a little bit there. So. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on Jesus because that's the worst he can bring. You destroy my body? Come on. I don't care. It's not about my body anyhow. I'm going to be with Jesus. took my marriage and think that I'm going to turn my back on God, go ahead and try it because I'm going to speak the word and I'm going to be with Jesus because the years that the canker worm has stolen, God's going to restore to me and it may not be with that man that's done me wrong and has left me, but I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, i got to keep going. 
Oh, Lord, I got to get going. Okay, so when you speak that word, that word can be positive or negative that comes out of our mouth. We've got to guard it. And so we line it up to the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We line it up to, that means you need to be in the word of the Lord. My friend that had the victory, the deliverance, a few months ago, he shared things with me that he's never shared with anybody. And as he shared those things with me, I didn't know how to handle those things. I just said, you know what? I do know this. I can't go backwards and fix everything, but I can show you how to take the word and begin to think about yourself in light of the word. The lies over your life can be replaced by the truths in this word. And I said, I want you to begin to do two things. Read Philippians because it's a mandate for the mind. It's going to show you how to think. And I want you to read Romans chapter 8 because it's going to show you who you are in Christ. Just, just right now, Philippians and Romans 8. And for two months, that dude, Philippians and Romans 8, Philippians and Romans 8. And the coolest thing is I would talk to him on the phone and we'd meet again. The word of God's pouring out of his mouth. I'm not hearing who he used to be. I'm not hearing all the things that he thought about himself that were negative. All I'm hearing is what the word of God is saying over him. That he is more than a conqueror. That he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. I'm not going to be anxious for anything because the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and my mind. And I'm just looking I'm like, well, preach, brother. I mean, he's just, the word is pouring out of him. It's the coolest thing. Why? Because he chose to be renewed by the word of God. And he puts it in him and he speaks it and he hears it and he speaks it. And it got to the point where this last week, that thing that symbolized my failures, that thing that symbolized all the lies that I've held on to through all the years, I'm destroying in the name of Jesus. Amen? Mm, I love that. That's awesome. So two things about faith real quick as we continue, and we're almost done. Our faith never rises above our confession, okay? Our faith, it never rises above our confession. So I prophesied as I was commanded. We see him speaking the word of God as God told him to speak. Why? Because he believed what God said. You know it, God. Now you're telling me what to speak, so I'm going to speak it. That's the first thing, that our faith never rises above our confession. I, I believe it's so important for us to speak those things. That's why last week we spoke those things. That's why this morning we spoke those things. And the number two, or the second kind of thing is this, our faith keeps pace with our confession. All right? Our faith keeps pace with our confession. As I begin to wane in that confession, I'll start to see my belief struggle. As I, as I turn myself over to, the, uh, to focus on the lie and on, on, on the struggle more than the, the, the one that can get me through the struggle, then I start to see my faith diminish. Does that make sense? And so it keeps in pace. And I want you to see this in Scripture, Ezekiel 37, verse 7. And as I prophesied. Say, as I prophesied. You see, so there's this pace that's happening. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinew on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. I love this. It's keeping pace. So he began to speak, and God starts to do a work based on what God told him to speak. He's speaking it. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And guess what? Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded. There's this, there's this pace going on. There's this, this, I'm following the voice of the Lord, and I'm speaking it. I'm following his voice, and I'm speaking it. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Isn't that awesome? He was speaking God's word in the face of lack. I love that. In the midst of something that you cannot see just yet, 
You see dry bones, no muscle, no breath. And in the face of the lack, he starts to speak. Bone come together, and it starts to come together. He starts to speak muscle or sinew. Get on those bones, and it starts to get on those bones. He's speaking to what can be. He's not speaking to the lack. Bones, I don't think you'll ever rise. Bones, I don't know how you'll ever have strength in those in, in, in your. I don't know if you'll ever have breath. Do you know how dry you look? He's speaking in the midst of the lack. What God told him to speak. And now here's the thing about that. If we're not careful, speaking the word can become a burden. And we got to be careful of that. Years ago, I had a friend who, Ross, I, I never let the word depart from my mouth. She was going through a sickness. And it was like she, everything in her life, I just have to speak the word, 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 speak the word. And it, was, it, it broke my heart because she was burdened by faith. That's not what I'm teaching here. I'm saying a, a, reminder of a reminder to ourselves to listen to the voice of the Lord and to speak that over our lives to draw us close to his heart, that no matter what we face, we're close to his heart. We can handle it. But for this lady, it was an incantation that she's trying to, a mantra that she's trying to, to, to get her mojo just right so she can get her miracle. And it was a burden. And the Lord burst up in my heart to say to her, and I said this, I said, faith should never be a burden. It always should be a release. God, I trust you. I trust you. I've taught you this before. When you don't trust something, you hold on. You know? That's why you don't tithe. I just don't know if I can trust God. I'm going to hold on. You know? So you hold on to the money. You know, if you're walking down a crickety uh, staircase and it's all crickety, you hold on to that. You're holding on to everything. You don't want to fall because you, you hold on. I'm telling you right now, Brooke don't want to lose that man. She hold on. Good night. No, dude. No, but we do. We hold on to things we're just not quite sure of. And so when it comes down to it, all I'm getting at here is that, that, that God wants you to not have it as a burden. God, it's a beautiful release. God, I, I speak your word and I trust you. And you know what? Today, when my mind starts to waver, I'm going to hold on to your word again. It's not a mantra that I'm just some incantation. It's just a reminder drawing me close to what you're saying so I can speak what you're telling me to speak. Why? Because I'm not putting my faith in faith. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, who is the word of life. And he is that living embodiment of this word. And so, yes, I put my faith in Jesus by speaking his word. It's, it's representative of his heart and his character. And so I do speak his word, but my faith isn't here. My faith is in Jesus. And so that's where I put my focus. It says in Ezekiel 37, verse 11 through 14, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and I will raise you from the grave, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put the Spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have spoken, and will do it, declares the Lord." Do you realize that some of the fulfillment of that prophecy happened in 1948 with the nation of Israel being given back their land? And doesn't the world hate that? Pray for the nation of Israel, please. All right? But it's not complete because the way I look at that, the bones have come together. The muscles have come together. And there we have a nation in 1948 founded. But they still need the breath of God. They need the ruach, the, 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 the breath of the Holy Spirit 
to come upon them. And the Bible teaches that there will be an end-time move of the presence of God, a revival, and we'll see Jewish people come to faith. Isn't that awesome? And so, so I'm still believing for the rest of that prophecy to be fulfilled. But Ezekiel started speaking this forth how many years back? So many. And we're still seeing some of that fulfillment, and, and even more will come. And so finally, as we finish, I want you to keep this in mind. Start with your focus on Jesus and end with your focus on Jesus. Start with your focus on Jesus when you're confessing faith and end with it on Jesus. Don't look at faith. Don't look at the man that might pray for you. Don't look at the woman that might pray for you. Look to Jesus. Don't, don't look to signs and wonders. You know that I believe in speaking in tongues. Don't look to the person speaking in tongues or doing Holy Ghost hands. Why is the person doing Holy Ghost hands? Because they can't stop. I've been there before, you know. Not, man, if God's touching me and I can't help myself, I can't help myself. I get that, you know. But don't look. No, look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Ezekiel 37, 1 and 2, it started, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit. It started with God. It started with, we'll say, Jesus. And with that in our hearts, it starts with Jesus. And it ends with Jesus. Amen? And so I want just to give you a prayer that was spoken in Ephesians by Paul over the church of Ephesus. And this is my prayer for you, and then I'm going to pray and close. And this will be my prayer. I'll just use this as my prayer, all right? Can you do this? Can you stretch your hands this way? Just kind of a, just I want to receive what God has kind of a thing, and kind of, a, if you will, even a commissioning this week, you know? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. You ready for this? This is for you. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That's you which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God, we raise our hands to you because we are your body. We are your church. And you have a dominion. You have authority. You have power. All this immeasurable grace that you have to pour out. But you'll pour it out in us and through us. And we choose to hear your voice and speak what you tell us to speak. And as we do that physical action, we'll see you react We'll see you do a powerful thing in people's lives and in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.